Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to another uh, sit-down episode of the Mindframe podcast, and this is the sit-down for the prologue. Um, so again, uh, the sit-downs are normally bonus content that will be reserved for our patrons. If you go to uh, Patreon and look for the Mindframe podcast, you'll find us. Um, and at uh, any donation amount, you'll be able to get the, the bonus episodes, which will be these. But as we're doing this initial drop of, of the first chunk of episodes for everyone, we wanted to include several of them. A, because uh, we wanted you to see whether or not you enjoy these conversations and if it would help you. And if so, kind of guide you towards Patreon. And two, I think the beginning of the, of the story um, jumps around from character to character in different time time zones and so forth and might be a little bit confusing at the beginning, which is perfectly normal and expected, but I think these sit-down episodes might help you to get a little bit of extra footing, so we wanted to make these first uh, two or three of them available to everyone to help you help you feel comfortable in the, the, the disjointed world that is mind frame. So um, with me, as always, this is Dave Moten, your loving uh, narrator, host, and the author of Mindframe, and with me, um, as normal, is Zach Smith. Hello. And Brent Van Tassel. Yo. Um, Brent is the co-host with me of Sofa King Podcast, and he's the producer and technical wizard of the show, um, and Zach joins us for the sit-down episodes um, to sort of uh, think about Mindframe from a writer's mind and ask questions um, of this particular chapter. So uh, if you haven't listened to uh, the, the prologue yet, you probably want to listen to that before you listen to this sit down. Otherwise, a lot of the stuff we're talking about won't make any sense at all to you. Um, and as we said in the last sit down, if you didn't listen to that one, um, it, we, we kind of have to walk a fine line because we want it to be a little bit like the talking dead or any kind of a follow-up show where we talk about the episode that just happened. But the one thing you'll notice in the talking dead, um, is that the creators of the walking dead are very seldom on the show because they don't want to give away spoilers. So, um, Zach frames his questions in a way that aren't necessarily going to give away some of the big spoilers or, or twists or turns. Yeah. And I don't want it ruined for me either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So if you ask a question, I think the answer would give away too much. I just sort of bow out of the question um, and I'll probably turn and see what, what Brent thinks about it. Um, so we're definitely going to talk about some of the specific elements from the chapter. But if you're like, how come he didn't ask this question? That's what everybody wants to know. It's because I'm not going to answer that question because I want you guys to, to get there when you get there through a natural progression. So um, Zach is also an author. Do you want to talk a little bit about your books real quick, Zach? Uh, sure. Yeah, I have uh, four books that are on Amazon right now. Um, Wolves at the Door, which is a dystopian novel about wolf conservation and California. And then I have uh, three shoot. things that don't go together yeah. <laughs> very often in a narrative. <laughs> um, I have shoot and over. They're separate pieces. One's a novel. One's a short story collection. But they uh, take place in the same universe, and they're both about pro wrestling. So if you enjoy pro wrestling and uh, you want to read about wrestling, feel free to pick them up. And it's a lot of the behind the scenes. It is a lot of behind the scenes. The viewpoint of an independent wrestler just trying to make it. You know, just doing that hustle, yeah. and then. Um, you know, I try to replicate what it might be like to call a match and use a lot of terms. And I provide a glossary, which I've had people just buy the book based on the glossary. Because you need a glossary. Yeah, because it's, you, you know, it's, it's all that carny speak. They don't mm -hmm. want you knowing what they're talking mm -hmm. about. So uh, I've had, you know. Even the name, shoot. Shooting over like both. Like those the, are yeah, both those terms. Are both terms. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. wrestling. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're definitely double entendres for, yeah. for stuff going on in there. And then uh, I just 
completed my most recent one called Hotel California, which is a horror novel uh, set in the Mojave Desert, inspired by like The Stand and um, The Shining and my years and years of going to music festivals like Coachella and Outside Lands and just concerts in general. Right. So I just wanted to talk about you know music and also just different parts of California maybe that don't get as highlighted as Los Angeles, San Francisco, et cetera. Right. And like you said, you can find those on amazon.com. Um, if you search for them under, are they, are they under Zach Smith or Zachary, Zachary Smith? Smith. Yeah. Zachary Smith Zachary. with a CH. Um, or even easier, you can just go to mindframepodcast.com, go to the store and we'll have links to all of his books there, as well as a link to uh, the re-release of my first book from the Sixth Paradigm series. Um, which is now retitled 181 Pine. It's replacing the older version that was called Chama, New Mexico. Um, it uh, drops for full sale um, on September 11th, on 9-11, actually. Um, but uh, pending on when you listen to this, it, it might just be on pre-sale when you go there, so you might be doing pre-orders. But again, if you go to mindframe.com, um, mindframepodcast.com, you can find it in the store. And as usual, if you go to sofakingpodcast.com, you'll find it in the, the store there as well. Um, so um, we are also a member of the uh, Podbelly Network. If you're looking to learn how to podcast, um, if you go to podbelly.com, you can find lots of tutorials, everything from what software to use to what the best microphone is. Um, those are the only two examples I ever give. I mean, that's really it right now, to be honest. Okay. It's been <laughs> but those are times. the big ones. Those are the two biggest things yeah. you need to worry about. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's a, it's a work in progress. We're always trying to add new information there. Yeah. Uh, but most of all, I mean, there's a bunch of cool podcasts over there. Right. We have a, a group that, you know, we're kind of hand-selected, um, try to get multiple genres. So there's there's a good range of, of stuff over there to check out. And there's a bunch of stuff in the directory, like daily stuff's getting added there. So it's a good place, kind of a... It's the micro brew of a, of a podcast thing. Like it's daunting to go to like Google play or iTunes. There's just so much stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just a, it's a smaller collection of podcasts right now. Um, but yeah, if you're looking to start a podcast, it's, it's a, it's a condensed, um, information there. It, it's like how to add to Google play. How do you add to iTunes? You know, what's hosting? Um, should I buy you know, a mixer? Do I need an interface? Like what are those things? Um, so if, if you're, if you're a noob, um, that's a super <laughs> good way. And there might even be some stuff there as far as like marketing and whatnot that sure. we've written in and for social media content that, that may be of value to you. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time talking to podcasters. I'm one of the founders of Podbelly. So I'm constantly talking to the podcast on the network and it, it definitely surprises me things that I, that I just take for granted that people don't know. Right. Like, Oh, that's a good idea. And I'm like, I thought that was just the way I thought that's what you, you, you know did. what I mean? Yeah. So I, I never assume that anyone knows anything. Um, but you may know absolutely everything or you might think you do. <laughs> so right, right. either way, you just check out podbelly.com. Yep. And uh, some of them that are on there um, are the ectoplasm show. And I was actually um, recently a guest on the ectoplasm show. And I told three creepy uh, paranormal ghost stories that happened to me in my childhood. And you, have I any, was uh, like, you have any ghost stories left You got any in the bag still? No, all the big ones are there. Like You've already given them up, huh? That's your last guess. He gave up the yeah, ghost. That was, that was, yeah, I gave up the ghost, yeah. No, <laughs> we were talking about me. I mean, I'll go back on again and do do a, more of a, you know, we research particular haunting or something. This hillbilly like wants you to come on, actually. Yeah, I'd be I should know if you had any ghost well. stories left. Yeah. No, they, well, they were all given to ectoplasm, but I'm happy to, to go over them again. I've, I've been on ectoplasm twice, um, so you can find me there when I talk about my encounter with the dog people or the, the ghost stories that I said more recently. What's the second uh, pod belly? Another podcast? Yeah. Uh, we're not sure yet. We're not sure yet. Yeah. Um, so go check it out. <clears throat> um, 
and it's definitely something worth looking at. So without further ado, um, let us turn to some questions um, for the the prologue. Prologue, shit. <laughs> we, <laughs> that's caused us a lot of confusion. So hit me, hit me with some prologue questions, and we'll see where yeah. it takes us. For sure. Uh, so the first question that kind of came to my mind is um, the prologue is taking place in, in the future, 2140. Yes. is my guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's dealing with space travel. So as far as like space life and the World Navy, uh, which is one of the organizations within the, uh, the story, is there any inspiration you can point to like Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek, Alien? Is it a mis- mishmash of those things, your own personal stuff you wanted to see? The way that I en- the way that I envision World Navy is quite um, distinct. The way the humanity doesn't understand the technology that is behind the construction of the ships that are used in World Navy, and as um, the you know World Gov has been around for a hundred years, so the World Navy has been around for a hundred years. So ships that were you know a ship class that was created ninety years you know prior to this are going to be radically different than a ship class that's created in 2140. So none of them are at the Star Trek level of we have warp drive and we can fly to another, you know, it's all still you're stuck in this solar system. Yeah. Um, the. But you did say humanity doesn't understand the construction of those ships. Yes. All right. That's interesting. That's, that's, that is exactly right. what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so the ships that are more recent are from more sophisticated shipyards. They're much more, you know, you get into much more sci-fi-ish type of ships mm-hmm. um, that are constructed closer to 2140. But if you took a ship made in, you know, 2050 or 2060, it's going to be much more like, you know, something you would picture right now, you know, uh, more like, or maybe like Firefly. I kind of okay. super yeah, obscure. Yeah, I felt I, a little firefly, a little firefly touch. I, I yeah. kind of, I took, I did take inspiration from Battlestar Galactica. I did take inspiration from a, an old role playing game called Traveler that was okay. very specific. I Does think, anyone ever say frack? I don't think so. I can make sure it happens. <laughs> You're working in there. You got some pages. I might, I might have to. I might have to work yeah. that in there. Yeah, I'm still ode. editing. Um, Is there I think Battlestar Galactica coming out. I they saw suppose that they keep saying there is, but I also saw a Star Trek cartoon and it does yeah, not look does good. Not look good at it looked all. Terrible. I love me some Star Trek. I know. I was super excited, and then uh, Alan showed me, and I was yeah, like, I don't yeah. know, man. That looks like they're trying real hard, and I didn't laugh at the preview, no. and I can tell they're trying to be funny, and it yeah. just was. I was like, it's not going to work. No, I've heard. Is it supposed reviews. to be like the people that work like below decks? Below decks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see the concept, but it yeah, just, sounds I was like, good. Mm, I was, Actually, one of the one of the and I'm not even a Star Trek nerd. I enjoy I enjoy it, but I'm not like. I mean, one of the coolest episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation was an episode that was kind of like that. It was all these, like, characters you've never met before who di- they did work below decks, and they they weren't the stars of the show. But all of a sudden, right. you saw their story, and it was a really cool angle, you know, to see their, you know, oh, the shit. The Barclays. You know, yeah, and all of a <laughs> Somebody sudden. Somebody has to take out the trash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And some, you know. Someone's when, cleaning Picard's bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Picard walks in, and these guys are like, oh, my God, it's the captain. You know, right. we never see that guy. <laughs> you know, so I think that's a really cool uh, angle, that particular episode. But another, I think a big influence for me was also Mass Effect. Okay. I think when I'm kind of visualizing the the ships and the technology, I, I think a good, I think a good chunk of, of how the galaxy works is Mass Effect-ish. 
Um, but uh, so it's 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 hard to say any one genre because again, right. you might have one ship that's more like Firefly and one ship that's more like Battlestar Galactica and one ship that's a little bit closer to Star Trek because the technology is ridiculous. It just depends on what era it was built gotcha. in within within those hundred years. You've got a massive span of technology. So I think depending on, I have to. I have to kind of have a date clock in my head of this class of ship was built in this year, so it would function in this way. This is how the bridge would look. This is how the engines work. This is how, but another class would be totally different and have to be run completely differently. So it's kind of a it's it's kind of a weird thing. Do you think brain. that I, like putting yourself in comparison to other sci-fi, like saying it's an influence? There's also yeah. like as a musician, if you're yeah. going to play guitar, you big. Oh, that kind of sounds like Green Day. I can't do that riff. Like, or that sounds like Smashing Pumpkins. You know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like I'm ripping that off. Do you find yourself avoiding certain things? I mean, technology is technology. Right. If there's going to be uh, lights, lights are going to work how lights work for right. the most part. Right. You know what I mean? Things right. are going to work with space travel and gravity. Right. But do you sometimes when you get on the fringe edge of what you're creating because you're conceptualizing technology that may not exist, do you find yourself avoiding things because you think to yourself, oh, that's too Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Oh, that's too Expanse. That's too whatever. Not real. I mean, the stuff that would be in my consciousness enough that I'm like, oh, that I should put that in here. It's because I'm looking at it and I'm like, I think that's probably how it would have to go down. Right. Like, if this, tech, tech like is tech. this is how that would be, you know? And at the same time, it's like, I mean, you know, the Mass Effect video games deal with, you know, an ancient civilization and a gate that opens. Well, so did Stargate. Right. And right, so right. did Contact with Carl right. Sagan. And so did, I mean, so it's like. And so may it be. Like, right. And like, exactly. Like physics exactly. are what they are. And I think right. a lot of times when sci fi, like, man, look at these, these authors were so ahead of their time. They thought, it was, well, well, you know, like, yes, there is space and we're going to need a some type of vehicle that's going to right. travel in space. Right. Right. And it's going to have to work off of physics. So yeah. it has propulsion and things just lead to another right. where it's like, yeah, you have no choice but to go down that path, I guess. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that was my curiosity is, do you ever feel like you have to avoid it because it seems like you're ripping it off? Like, that's, I don't that know. I, like never, Zeppelin. I never feel like that. I think I think I have a unique enough spin on even this, like... At the end of the day, there are certain things that are that are science fiction tropes, like a gate that opens up, like yeah, right. it's been done a thousand right. times. If I do it, doesn't matter. What am I going to do with it? You know, what is my rationale for that gate or why don't we have one yet? And, you know, what does it take to build? And, you know, who's on the other side? And like, these are important questions to me. And these are questions that these books actually start yeah. to wrestle and, with, you know. So does the think, NDE propulsion, mm. does that happen in this chapter yet or in this part yet? Do you talk about yes. that? Yes. Yeah. This is the ending. Yeah. Because that was one of my things. I was just like, man, like the inertia, the concept of something like that was super cool to me because I nerd out on stuff like that. And I, I mean, I'm not a super sci fi nerd, but I hadn't seen anything like that before. Yeah, the only thing either. I could liken it to would be like the abyss when they breathe, uh, they breathe sure. the, uh, yeah. the fluid. Yep. you know, for pressure. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's sort of like that. Yeah. But I was thinking Evangelion, which is a front, uh, like an anime where they have to breathe like this LCL fluid that mm -hmm. allows them to pilot the mech. Right. And, and it also kind of provides as like a cushion when they're like getting oh, like you know, a, bumped like a, around a, by the a neural stuff. like connection. Too? It's a connecting point. It's like a cushion as oh, they're, wow. they're getting bounced around in the, in the robot and stuff. So that's, that's the only thing that it kind of reminded me of, but I agree. Yeah. The, the, that, uh, sort of text sounded super interesting. So I was, there is a, you know, follow up question. Like where did that come from? The, uh, the NDE stuff. Um, it, once you, I mean, once you start to, when I'm you have say a pickle jar and no more, that's all I'll say. Some people know. 
Right. That's well, where you got that. When you have a ship that deals with the laws <laughs> of physics, you know, and the as it says in here, the Razor class ship is designed to fly to the Oort cloud, which is on the ass end of the solar system, you know, mm -hmm. about as far away as you can get. I mean, currently it would take dozens of years, right. you know, to get there. So to suddenly, and the Razor class is very old. They say that as well. It's like this, it's this very old ship, one of the first that was built because we need those materials from the Oort cloud to start to build the Lariat and to start to construct better starships into sort of one of the first types of ships that's ever built. So at the end of the day, there's the, there's no technology to suddenly be like, you know, if, again, if you look at Star Trek, they can fly from earth to Saturn in four minutes mm -hmm. and they're not all crushed and liquefied because of the way a warp field works or because of, you know, what the, you know, in Star Trek, they call them inertial dampeners. So when the millennium Falcon is doing a crazy spin, everybody doesn't die from the, from the, you know, pressure. So this ship by world Navy standards is kind of old and shitty and the best we can do is make it go really fast. And then you just have to hide in this thing and suffer for the entire trip because you should be dead and liquefied. It but this thing is just keeping you alive. Terrible. Yeah. It does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the way he's describing like, okay, this was like, I'm just going to throw out a number. I don't remember if this is the exact amount of travel, but this is like a two week trip. He's feeling all of that for the two weeks, even though right. it's constantly getting repaired, yes. you still feel your yeah. hand get broken or your eye get crushed the way he's describing it. Is there it. sleep cycles just, during the, the inertia thing, during travel? It's two weeks? Or they just it doesn't matter because you're getting repaired by the... Yeah, you're just constantly yeah. being repaired. So and, it takes and care of it. It negates the, the And there would be sleep. a slight pause because you would burn... Um, no, I guess there wouldn't be because you'd burn all the way there and then stop and then you'd pick up your payload mm -hmm. and then you would just burn all the way back. I don't know if it was you I was talking. No, I'm sorry. There would be a pause because on the deceleration. So you would only burn for half of the solar system. Oh, that's right. Because you have and to start then slowing you have back to down. start slowing back down, but you slow down equally as quick as you accelerated. Um, or it would still take you forever right. to get there. So there is that brief moment where you would be conscious and suspended in the NDE chamber, and then the burn would start the other way, and then it would just happen all over again for the rest of the trip. I was going to say, I don't know if it was you and I talking, or it might have been James, but we were talking about the concept of like long travel like that, like something takes two weeks. That's the small side of it. But like in a lot of space or like sci-fi, you see it take like, it's going to take 200 years to get right. there. Right. So you're in some kind of sleep hibernation. Mm -hmm. And was that me and you or was that James? It must have been that James. That wasn't me. So then he said like, think of the fact that 200 years passed, they come up with new tech. And then I just like pass you on the way. Like you're going oh, to no, we did talk about <laughs> that. It was yeah. like, okay, yeah. colonize another planet. And you show right. up and like they already colonized it. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Because you're on the crappy the generation. Yeah. 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 So something got faster than your ship exponentially. So after you come out of cold sleep, then you find out you got there. It's a, like yeah, two hundred years have passed. Yeah. They, they came up with a better way. There's a billion people on the planet. Mr. <laughs> 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 Mr. Habitat is ready, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do the hard work anyway. You know. So, um, kind of the original question was the way they travel does sound awful mm -hmm. and painful. Yes. And I wanted to bring it back to something we had previously discussed where you'd mentioned Neil Stevenson's challenge to create like positive sci-fi. Right. Like, do you feel that's still on the same level of the idea of like, it's positive in the idea that we're traveling to these great distances and we're, we're seeing new things and maybe it's just part of life to 
in a sense, suffer for a little bit to get better to, you know, to like fuse a diamond from yeah, coal. I, I think it's, I think it's, um, even though all the poor bastards on this ship, you know, who all volunteered, like they're all there voluntarily, right. you know, they are, you know, they wear it as a badge of honor. Like I'm tough enough to be on a razor right, class right. ship. Like I can handle it. Um, but they're suffering to bring, you know, what before WorldGov would have been considered, you know, incalculable riches right. back to the earth. I mean, if they, you know, they'll find a rock with 20 tons of gold and get, you know, uh, an amount of water that's impossible in space that by current economic standards would all be worth a fortune, you know, but WorldGov needs these things to build ships and to build the Lariat and to make Earth a better place. So there's always a, a group of people that are willing to step up, you know, and it's, it's kind of like just, you know, turn it up to a hundred of what current astronauts do, right? you know, the training that they do and the isolation and the danger and the threats and the horrible conditions and everything that they go through in order to bring scientific advances and on a small, you know, by comparison to this book yeah. on a small scale, you know, but they're willing to make that sacrifice for humanity. And I think they're also willing to make that sacrifice because it, because it's awesome. Like, right. Plus like, they do it in a giant swimming pool in Texas. Yes. That's so. true. That's true. Do you see the last ISS uh, broadcasting that came out on the news? No. All three astronauts just like fade away like green screen and nothing else on the thing fades what? out. Like at the, at the end of the, the transmission, I looked it up. I saw it on multiple things. It was on multiple articles. And like at the end of the transmission, like they glitch out and only a one little part of the ISS got a little weird down on the right lower side. Everything on the ISS was fine. And the astronauts, like, weird Wayne's World green screen glitch out of the thing. And you're like, what? And then, like, the transmission, it was over anyway. It cuts off. But I can't come up with any technology explanation as to why just the people in the screen, even, like, uh, bandwidth. Or, I mean, you know, I work on computers. I see all kinds of weird stuff happen with digital glitching. Everything would artifact, not just the right. astronauts, you know. It but the was conspiracy weird. theorist in me is like, why would you make that live it was, if you well, were faking it? Like, yeah. wouldn't you just like... Pre-record it. Or cut it a long time, yeah. you know, cut and then cut. I mean... Yeah, yeah like have know. a delay or something. Yeah. It's just at the end. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They always, you know, all this, yeah. there's all kinds of weird leaks like yeah, that. that yeah, it's weird. Okay. Um, and this also goes back to something that... Uh, was mentioned, do you sit and map out the different ships and their capabilities, or are you basing them on other starships in fiction and just add your own twist? You kind of said that like you are kind of aware that if a ship's built earlier of mm -hmm. what its certain capabilities are and if it's built later. So is it something that you've written down and you have like, I know what this ship can do, can do, can do? I haven't written it down, but the, the important ship classes I have in my brain. Okay. I know about when they were built. I know what they're capable of and more, more than anything they're you know, again, looking at Star Trek, like if you look at the enterprise, um, it's just like this super all purpose can do everything ship. It's the ultimate science ship and the ultimate warship and the ultimate there's, travel ship. And there's the living ultimate, quarters and leisure. Right. And, and it's like, that's not how it is here. Like every ship has a very specific purpose. Okay. So the purpose of the ship indicates the technology around it. It it's it's I mean the razor class the entire point of the razor class is to move as fast as possible and haul great amounts of mass back. So that's the only thing that matters. Okay. So other ships would have completely different functions. So they would have completely different specs and looks and designs. 
Um, you can set, like you have a vision in your head. You know what I mean? Like I know you describe yeah. little mm-hmm. nuances of things and little details in great detail sometimes, but the overall picture, like do you have, if you could draw or make blueprints, would you, would you kind of have an idea what a Some razor class them. looks like? Yeah. Razor class for sure. Yeah. The razor class. I mean, basically if you pick up the, cause I started visualizing what the razor class would look like. And I was like, why does it look so familiar to me? And I remember I was walking through target and I looked at like, a men's electric razor. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's what I keep picturing. <laughs> like one of the ones with like the swivel heads yeah, with like yeah. the three things like at the end that all swivels, but then the rest of it is like a right. like a do cone. The, that the part those... that you hold and the end is the swiveling. It's like that swiveling part is the three engines on the razor class. Right. And then the rest of the ship is forward. And like I just kept picturing that. And once I saw one, because I don't even, I don't have a razor like that. And once I saw one, I was like, oh, that's what the ship should look like. And that's why they called it the razor class. If it ever comes to fruition and someone like draws that out, someone's just going to put Gillette on it right away. (laughs) Now that you said that, it'll never be taken seriously. Well, it says it in the the thing though, too. Yeah, there's going to be a movie. Oh, yeah, I do kind of remember that. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be a movie and they're just going to superimpose Gillette across it. (laughs) That'll be the Mel Brooks version. Mm I just watched Spaceballs like oh, two weeks ago. Yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've seen Spaceballs since the theater. Really? Yeah. I think it's on Netflix right now. Yeah, I yeah. think it is. We're trying to figure out. You should comb the desert and go check it out, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Star Trek, Tuvok is in there. In uh, Spaceballs? Yeah. Oh, I don't. Is he the one that has to actually drag the Afro comb rem- across I, the I desert? I don't remember. I just I just remember him being in there. <laughs> Uh, one of the positions on the ship is called a framer. Can you tell us what a framer is or who's inside of it or anything about it? At this point, I can't really say anything okay. about what a framer okay. does. No problem. Yeah. Uh, I just remember Bill said it was very important that near the end of the chapter, the framer was not damaged. So just right. knew it must uh, be important. Yeah. At this point, I can't speak to that one. No problem. Um, so the... Uh, they keep mentioning that characters have swords um, and lances. Is this because projectile weapons might rupture the spaceship from the inside? Or why do they fight with not lasers and not guns? No, they don't. It's not because they're worried about rupturing the hull, even though that would obviously be a decent thing to worry about. These are the, these are also the, the weapons that the military on the ground on Earth would be using as well. Okay. Um, Is it making the, things less lethal for some reason so that you it would be harder to kill people? No, the... Um, the I don't really think it's spoiling anything. The, the typical soldier or Marine's outfit um, has something that's called a torsion cloak which is a longer fabric that drags on the ground. So any kinetic energy that hits it travels through the cloak and gets dispersed into the ground. So ballistics become completely pointless. Um, And at that point, if you want to fight somebody and you can't use guns anymore, you don't have a whole lot of recourses. Okay. So, um, if slowly push the knife into him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a non-Newtonian fluid. Like it's like cornstarch. If you hit cornstarch with a fork, it will not go in, but you can slowly put the fork into the corner. Well, if there, yeah. if there are particular bladed weapons that can cut through their armor right. and there are parts of the body that aren't properly armored, 
that you could get to. I did. I did do a science fair project for my daughter on the uh, the effects of frequency modulation on non-Newtonian fluids. So did you? I'm a bit of an expert. <laughs> just just so you guys know. And the lances are different. <laughs> the lances are actually uh, energy weapons, but that that comes out later. This also reminds me of the uh, terrible. Uh, I don't know what it would have been at this point. Uh, force shield that's in Dune in Lynch's Dune in 1980 when Kyle MacLachlan is fighting the other guy in some like square. Oh yeah. yeah. No, that's it. Him. That's in the novel Dune as well. It is. No, yeah. I just remember, but the, the like, visual, the visual that, like a that brown Lynch gumby. was trying to do. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. It is like a brown Gumby, <laughs> but no, it's, it, I guess it is a similar thing to that. Cause okay. in Dune, you know, they, they wear a force field that right. makes most weapons pointless, right. except for the um, knife, except for the knife. Cause if yeah. you can move it slowly enough, you can like get it through it, the, yeah. the, the shield. I accept that. Cause like things like phantom menace or something where they have like uh, catapults that are shooting energy balls. Like when there's like antiquated technology mixed with high tech, right. like, it doesn't make why would sense. you have an yeah. energy right. ball with a, like, don't you have some other way of projecting that? <laughs> right. Like than a catapult <laughs> right. or, you know, like there's phasers <laughs> on the ends of spears or something. You're like, well, that's yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah, unless it's like apocalyptic and like you have some of the tech, but you don't know how to get the rest of it back because yeah, all the scientists I, yeah, died. Exactly, and so yeah, then you're like, yeah. "Well, I could put this flaming hot orb on the end of a stick and poke it at people." <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I accept that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Han Solo has a blaster. Yep. Right. It's like <laughs> you know, like, they but had again, the tech. you know, I think it all. I mean, again, that talk about the spaceships, like even the, I mean, the weapons, the everything is going to be the same way, whether it's a. A communication satellite or a weapon or medical technology um all of it is based upon when in the timeline it got created um but even the older stuff is still better than anything on earth right now right, and it's still right. going to be in use so depending on who's attacking whom um different weapons would be more effective do you have any theory as to why chewbacca has a crossbow <laughs> When it can just shoot. And he has a bandolera too that he never yeah, what is uses. In there? What's in there? I think yeah. chapstick. That's where he keeps his chapstick. Might be. Lukey's are known to have dry lips. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, the bow, although the bow, the bowcaster, according to to canon, is supposed to be far more powerful. Well, it's no joke when they the shoot blaster. it. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. yeah. In some of the movies, when they shoot it, it's, it's pretty impressive. But right. what's the structure about? That's. You know. I don't know if you had some sci-fi novel nerd. I'm sure it's explained. I'm yeah. sure there's Someone a, I'm up. sure there's yeah. a visual guide. I mean, there's only two options. One option is that on the planet Kashyyyk, they always used crossbows and it's like some ceremonial weapon. Oh, so even go. though they've evolved See? past it, they yeah, still have it. Can come up with it or quick. it's literally the function, something about those. Yeah. The bow focuses the energy the more. Arc field. Or, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which I'm always okay with just George Lucas thought it looked cool. Sure. And like, I'm I totally to... good with that. I'm <laughs> Dude, totally good I with that. I worked in uh, some packed belt offices at one point, and they're all made in like, they're all like from the 70s. And like there was, it's like a 10 story building in Fresno and nothing is done in there anymore because the buildings used to have all this crazy equipment. You need mm -hmm. giant equipment. And then it all got consolidated to like, oh, this one little eight foot by three foot bay can do the same right. thing this whole floor of equipment right. did. So like floors four through 10 have nothing on them. They're old operator floors where there used to be a hundred women in there answering phones or something. Mm -hmm. And so I would just get in the elevator on my break and go explore these floors and just walk through stuff. It was just, it's just abandoned. I actually got like soundproof panels from there that, that were the old operator. They went on the wall for the operators to mm. use for a recording studio I had back in the day. But 
The notable thing was all of the vacuums and trash cans were droids. Absolutely Star Wars droids. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. unmistakably, yeah. I was yeah. like, holy shit, that is a Star Wars droid. They just, like, painted it and put, like, some motorized wheels on it or whatever right. for Star right. Wars. But that's where they got those ideas. It was, Absolutely. like, shop vacs, trash cans. I wanted to just take them home because I was like, I bet this matches something from the movie. Right. Oh, it for was, sure. Yeah. It was I'm perfect. sure it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my next question dealt with the ship. Can you tell us um, how the ship got its name, the Eleanor Gray? Um, the Eleanor Gray is named after a resistance fighter from the wars that uh, led to WorldGov. Okay. So it is something that we should pay attention to. Yes. Name-wise. Yep. Okay. Which might seem odd because why would you name a ship after a resistance fighter? that resisted you, oh. but that's all part of it. Okay. Um, we have a mention of incarcerated people trying to better their lives uh, on a different uh, spacefaring vessel. Is that just random or was it at all influenced by your time uh, teaching in the prisons? No, I think it was random. I, I wrote that uh, uh, several years before I taught in the prisons, um, but I think it comes from the same place. I mean, I do believe in the idea of rehabilitation. Right. I do believe that, you know, most people, no matter what they did, should be allowed a second chance, should be allowed to, uh, you know, rise above their station. Mm -hmm. um, so so that's definitely in here. And it gets discussed. Um, th those notions come up a lot more in the Grim Bolivar chapters, the idea of the of the people who are on the, the lowest rung of WorldGov and, you know, what can they do to improve their lives? Right. Um, that That's all part of, of what the novel starts to deal with. Um, so I had an, an observation and a question. So this is a brutal chapter that with a lot of death. It reminds me of uh, the opening of 181 Pine in a way with the commanding officer thinking about family and how their sacrifice might help their family member. Uh, which leads me to the question of, is it fun, interesting to write the death scenes and come up with interesting ways for the characters to die? Because I always, one thing that has forever stuck with me since reading 181 Pine is the person staring at themselves in a flight, uh, the reflection in a flight helmet as they chew their own tongue off. Right. Like you, you have no shortage of imagination <laughs> when it comes to people dying horrible deaths, which I love. So, I mean, this, these people being incinerated and my and own mom, remember dying. that she said, uh, something is wrong with that man. <laughs> <laughs> like she read the book. Like my mom loves Dave's books and I don't know if it was caretaker or something. She started to read. I think it was caretaker. I yeah. don't know what she said. Exactly. She said yeah. you were super talented, but something is wrong with that man. Yeah. What's going on in his head. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I've never thought about it. Um, I know that um, I knew that every book in the Sixth Paradigm series needed to open with a horrible death. Like I every, remember every, caretakers' like horrible every, death. Like all too, three yeah. of them open with a with a horrible death. Um, and the I don't I don't know. And I don't. Because I don't enjoy writing the death, especially if it's a character that I'm invested in. Right. Um, I don't like. I don't like to see them die. You know, but they have to. And then is it a I case guess, if you're not going to half-ass anything? Right. Like I want it to. I want it to have. I want it to have an impact. You know. I want. You know. This person died. Like I. You know. They have to die as equally as amazing as they lived. Like right. They're going to have yeah. all these great characteristics yeah, and all this stuff. Yeah. And then if you're going to die, you don't just do them justice. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I think, yeah, they, they, you know, everybody, you know, and, and death is a weird thing. You know, I, I remember, I don't know that has anything to do with this, but I, I remember there's a character in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which was the two season, excellent, amazing two season show on Fox about Sarah Connor um, from the Terminator movies. And just in like the middle of season two, like a pretty major character like that. Cause every time a Terminator shows up, they're just like run, right? Like there's no, we're not fighting it. Mm-hmm. Like just run. So as soon as it, they're bad, they can rob a bank and kill Marines and cause they're super badasses. <laughs> but when a Terminator shows up, they're all just like, run, just run. We can't stop it. Just run. And at one point they get stuck in a place with a Terminator and they're trying to run and they're trying to fight. And the Terminator is just like, it's just this, the most casual shot as the Terminator walks past someone and shoots shoots them in the head and kills them and you're just like oh my god did he did you just did that person just you just shot that person in the, and it's like that's right it's a terminator and it's just and i remember in that case it was just the nothingness of this big character's uh-huh. death was just like so shocking because you're like oh he's gonna stand up he's gonna no because the terminator wouldn't have missed like it's and it's just like but it's like or you know i i think of like a you know, Francis Ford Coppola, like in The Godfather, all the deaths, there's like a quirk to them. There's a there's a thing memorable, to it. You know, yeah. you, you make it memorable. So Some that, yeah, I think Kill that, Bill, the Lucy Liu yep. scene in the snow. Yep. No spoilers for anyone, but that yep. was unexpected. I was just like, I don't know. Like yeah, it, it ended quick. More. It was like a little quick. Right. Like the, yeah. all that battle yeah. right. of there's a right. hundred men running in there and fighting in the middle of that scene. And it has to go black and white because there's so much blood. Right. And then the Lucy Liu thing was unexpected. Yeah. So I, I do I do like that idea though, like you said, it was just kind of casual. There was nothing to it. And I feel like I think the first uh, kind of series to kind of catch me off guard like that was Game of Thrones, where I'm just mm-hmm. like heavily invested and <laughs> kill your heroes. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. Because <laughs> yeah. that yeah. that didn't matter. Right. And, right. And then yeah. it was uh it was definitely a, a lesson learned, mm-hmm. I think. And I've never I've never hated a character as much as I hate Joffrey. Oh yeah. Like dude, And that it, felt so satisfying. Oh like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the last questions I had is the prologue definitely sets up a lot of questions, but ones I won't ask you about because I feel they're important for the foreshadowing. Uh, I know you bounce back and forth on whether or not to include the prologue in the reading. What does your final decision come to and why? So the the there's like a thing that I'm sure everybody has seen. If you're watching an action TV show and like the like it opens, cut to running down the street, terrorists are shooting at them and, you know, we have to get to the canal and then they get on a boat and whatever and, oh my God, the bo- we only have 30 seconds before the bomb blows up and you're like, what the hell is going on? And then all of a sudden, like the opening credits run and you get your first commercial break and then when it starts the traditional act one, six it starts ago. with, yeah, six months ago, you know, 48 hours ago and it's like, the only reason they're doing that is because they want to catch you. Mm-hmm. They want to hook you. They want you and they don't want you to flip. You know, it's like if it opens with these two people having breakfast, you know, you're like, yawn. I thought this was about spies and you turn mm-hmm. the channel. But if it opened with that and a bomb's going to blow up in 30 seconds and now it's two people eating breakfast, I'm hooked and I want to see that. So it's almost set a precedent that you're going to start looking for start the next thing stress. now. Like you yeah. need it now. Right, right. Yeah. Like if you yeah, see yeah, yeah. the breakfast scene, you're going to flip for the one that doesn't have that. Right, now. right. Yeah. So when I wrote this, I was really, I, I wasn't necessarily trying to do something that blatant, but I was really thinking about the fact it's like, okay, the first chapter is about a woman in a hotel. The second chapter is about a person doing construction. And then we find, you know, it's like there's multiple chapters where you, like, this is a, 
this is a space opera, right? And it's right. not going to feel like that for a very long right, time. Right. Okay. And I wanted people to know that this is a book about people on spacecraft battling other spacecraft and there is a world navy and there are deviants and there is stuff going on here um that is like you know sci-fi epic battle kind of stuff gotcha. but you don't get that at all when you're reading josephine you know in the hotel and i wanted to open with look this is the world that we're that we have at some point this is the world that we have here and i felt but then i felt or should i not like, do we need that? Like, is it cliche at this point? Is to it? Do that? I think it's important for sure. Like, right. I mean, I think with one with people's attention span, I think in a in a novel, people are a little more committed and they sure. bought that book yeah. for sure. They're going to yeah. read through it without it. And honestly. you read the back and it talks about yeah. you know you'll yeah. get hints yeah. at what's going on. They're, they're going to push through, but when someone's listening to a podcast, they don't have uh you know fifteen bucks, twenty bucks invested in it. It's not tangible. It's not in their hand. Right. They're not as committed. They could easily just forget about it the mm-hmm. next week and be like, what was that I was listening to on the trip? Ah, next. Right. Where that book is sitting on their nightstand, you know what I mean? Or it's in their Kindle and they're going to continue most likely. Right. Um, But on the, on the audio portion, I think it's, it was entirely necessary. Yeah. And I went back, I mean, I talked about it with Brent. I even, we even recorded it and I was like, look, let's record it. Tell me what you think about it when it's done. If, if we don't decide to include it, it'll just be like a Patreon bonus kind of a thing. And then as soon as Brent heard it, he was like, no, I think we need that. You know, was it it something that you wrote Back when you initially were writing those initial first chapters, or was no, I, newer? I, I was probably 200, 200 pages, two hundred fifty pages in. Like once I was starting to get to where stuff like that was happening, uh-huh. I was like, "Wow, this is you know, this is quite a build to get to this stuff." Okay, and I think we need a taste of that. It, it made me on. more excited about yeah, it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I even see. like recording yeah. it, you know, I, I was talking to Zach before this. I was like, "Man, I record this. I hear this. Yeah. I edit this stuff. I hear it more than once." But I'm looking for like pauses enunciations like was this correct is the grammar right like did we have some weird thing here that i need to like technically work on um and so when i'm going through that stuff i was like i don't know what is going on what's going on and then when we heard this it was a lot more okay there's like there's gonna be some exciting stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. got me hyped up teeth about it to it yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 and i would say the final third of the novel is a whole lot more of that kind of stuff okay um once everything is you know set up established and set up we're we're in a place where that can happen more freely so yeah um i don't well i guess it wouldn't be ruined because hopefully people have listened to this prologue so um you know ending with the death and and this character thinking about um their daughter i think it provides what what brent was talking about kind of that that hook to to grab you to pull you in so um, I think it, it was a good idea to include it to to get people interested. Yeah, I, I I think I and I I think Brent's right. I think especially in the audio medium, I think it's it's a far more important um, thing to. I guess, yeah, to you're not happen. as invested in it. It's like they're the the menu of audio yeah, out there right. is yeah. like you could press Huge. the button a hundred times and forget what you were even listening to in the beginning. I do it with Netflix. Like I'll be too, dude. I'll get two seasons into a show. Something happens where I'm like, I didn't finish it. The next night we watch something different. Yep. A week goes by and then like, I'll forget about it. And mm-hmm. then I'll come back like, were we watching that show? 
And then I start watching again and just be like, whoa, I've watched like two seasons yeah. of this show. <laughs> I was super into this. You know right, what I mean? Right. So when it's not tangible like that, like when it's a digital format, yeah. like you can easily, you know, move on from something. So right. it, it is important to hook no, it I, at the I, beginning. Yeah, I thought, it sampler. Was, I thought it was important to, to establish that this is that kind of world and we are getting there, um, but not quite yet. Yeah. So I guess the thing I want to end with is, uh, as far as questions are concerned, uh, directly relating to the content, is there anything that the reader should pay special attention to that that uh, maybe might slip or just, as we've said before, just fuck them and let them go in and just like you need to... No, I, th I think, I mean, I think some of the, I mean, just pay attention to the things that he thinks are important. Gotcha. I mean, his daughter is important right. for for more than just the fact that it's right. his daughter. Right. Like right. she's important throughout the the novel. Um, the fact that he's freaking out because a ship showed up that their computer cannot identify, which should be impossible, um, and that's what you know. He's willing to sacrifice his entire crew, mm -hmm. kill all of mm -hmm. them, just to get his scans of that ship back to to the World Navy. Um, so, I mean, the, you know, the, the things like that, that he's thinking about and freaking out about and what is this weapon and, and all that, I mean, those are all things to pay attention to because they become very important. I'm curious about the visualization of that ship. I keep picturing a bugle snack. It's like the, it's the, it's the bugle snack class. I was like, what in the cone shaped ship is happening? That's the best yeah. way to put it. It's a spicy bugle snack. It's fireball flavor. You stick them all on your fingers. Glowing orb bugle snacks. Wiggle your hand yeah. around like you're a witch. Yeah. They're killer. Yeah. They're very That's good. the end of my official questions. Brent, did you have anything you wanted to ask or add on? No. You good? No, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm, I like jumping in on stuff that you have safely brought in and Dave's talking because I have some problems with like things that I might know. Right. So right. I, I'm right. like, like Dave yeah. said, we're like the walking dead people aren't on the show. And so like we, you know, we, we go through your questions a little bit before to be like, Hey, is there anything we should do here? Is this all safe? Um, and so we kind of know, but I didn't, I didn't do that. And so I might say something that I'm going to end up creating work for myself or, right. you know, <laughs> so I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll stick to jumping in when you guys have good conversation. Right. Again, thanks for listening to this sit down um, for the Mind Frame podcast. Again, uh, we're going to dump one or two more of these with our big episode drop. Uh, so if you enjoy listening to um, us talk about writing process and about some of the Q&A about details that are in the chapter, uh, just like we've been doing, um, then by all means, check out uh, patreon.com and track down Mind Frame podcast. Um, and you'll see the different tiers that are there, one of which will include, of course, these uh, bonus episodes, and you'll be able to listen to them. We're going to be recording one for every single chapter throughout the book, so you'll have a lot of bonus content uh, to keep you engaged and hopefully make you love Mindframe as much as I do. So thank you for listening. Uh, keep on coming back. Be sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you'll get announcements whenever new episodes drop. And remember, the Lariat is closing. <laughs>